Hello, my loves. Jazza here. I just want to thank Jennifer and Toby for being our rainbow parents, the highest tier on Patreon available. You really are uh, really fantastic, the both of you, for continuing to be really bloody awesome. You are. All right, okay. Now on with the episode. Welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast, celebrating the best and worst in LGBTQ plus cinema, one glorious genre at a time. I'm Rowan Ellis. And I'm Jazza Johan. And each episode, we, that was very fun. Fun and funky start to the episode. Each episode, we discuss a movie from a different genre of cinema. This episode's genre is queer, queer British, British rom-com. rom-com. Yes, today we're going to be talking about the really rather lovely classic British rom-com about a couple of lesbian friends, Imagine Me and You, from 2005, starring Piper Perabo and Lena Headey, and also Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Damn right. But before we find out whether or not penguins have knees, Jazza, what's the gayest thing you've done since the last episode? So I've had... I'm a, I think... I'm Rowan, I might be a lesbian now. So Hi. I have been sick over the past few days. Thank you so much for all of everyone's condolences and wishing mm, me well. Of course, really, of course, of really course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I decided to do like the cliche thing and do a binge of a reality TV. And what came up on my Netflix account? Do you know what I'm going to talk about? No. Do you know what the ultimatum is? Oh, yes. Mm, there we go. So the ultimatum, apparently they have a load of previous seasons with straight people but I don't understand how this reality TV show hasn't always been sapphic because its whole mechanic is the most lesbian thing on the face of the planet. Mm-hmm. Basically, there's a load of couples. One of the members of the couples has issued an ultimatum that you need to marry me or get the fuck out. And in order for them to be able to figure out whether or not they actually want to marry this person, they have to move in immediately with somebody else. Now, if that isn't U-Haul lesbian energy, then I don't Mm. know what is. And I don't understand how it's taken them this long to have a queer woman-focused reality TV show with this premise. I was hooked. I have strong opinions on every single one of the characters. I just want Mal to be my friend. And I've really enjoyed that it's taken over queer TikTok. You should do your own little special of the podcast just where you are like sending me a voice note being like, okay, Ryan, here's the lowdown. Here's what happens on the show. (laughs) I was really close to suggesting that we do an ultimatum with you. Maybe we'll do it for the patrons at some point. That would be fun. For the special people. Amazing. How about you? So I went to the Hampstead Ladies Pond for the first time. Um, Oh, that is pretty gay. That is pretty gay. Notoriously, the men's pond is meant to be like super gay. I can confirm. Excellent. The ladies pond. Um, There's willies. Everywhere. everywhere. And even when a willy isn't out, it's attached to somebody who's vaguely queer. Love that. In the ladies' pond, I think it's technical. Well, it's weird because there's no like official signage about it. But I saw on like online that it used to be you could be fully nude and now you can kind of just be topless. Do you guys have a fox? No, we don't have a fox, oh, but we do have God. a concrete paved area where you are allowed to be fully nude. Okay, that's very boring in comparison to this fox. Okay. So basically, the ladies' <laughs> pond has like a semi tame fox who just mm. like comes and chills with you. And so. You will just be lying there and then you'll like, you know, close your eyes or something. You'll open them two seconds later and there'll just be a fox looking at you like, hello. And it is so adorable. And then he tries to steal everyone's sandwiches who's like left their tote bags to go and swim. And everyone is, you'll know that he's near you because you'll just hear people going, hey, get out of here. Get out of here, you. He's very cute. Does Uh, he have a name? No, well, probably. I feel like I'm not deep into the lore of the ponds yet. I'm still, it, you know, a, a newbie. But it made me very, very excited. It was very unexpected. But 10 out of 10 would recommend. Except maybe I wouldn't, so I can gatekeep it and it won't get too busy. This Nobody come really, to the ponds. <laughs> this is also really appropriate for this episode because Imagine Me and You is basically set on Hampstead Heath, mm-hmm. uh, where the swimming ponds are. Yeah. So the fact I that they that don't get topless together at the ponds... Feels like a missed opportunity is what you're saying. Sure. (laughs) I just wanted to see nipples. All right, shall we get on with this episode? Let's, let's. For those who are new to the Queer Movie Pod, here's how we do things here. First, we're going to take a little bit of a look at the background and the context of the film. Namely here, the lesbianisation of the classic British rom-com drama. And also, 
talk a little bit about the fact that this is a strange queer movie because it's happy endings for everybody and there's not really a bad person in it. Apart from maybe Coop. Coop's probably a bad person. We will very much be spoiling the movie. So if you care about that stuff, do go and watch it before then and then come back and listen to us natter on. Without further ado, let's find out why we don't have pudding for breakfast and watch Imagine Me and You. Do you think that the British rom-com as kind of like a genre is still a thing? Because I remember a time being a child who became aware of their surroundings in the mid to late 90s, early noughties. I feel like it was every other movie that was ever released and at least kind of like the big blockbusters of the time. So stuff like Bridget Jones's Diary, Notting Hill, stuff like About the Boy, The Holiday, etc, etc, etc. And like a lot of them were basically films with Hugh Grant in them. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that that as a genre was kind of like stuck in that time or is there really anything that's still doing that similar kind of like poppy, sugary, not too deep, somewhat witty storytelling? So I think that there's a few things going on here, right? One is the economic background of movie vibes. Mm. So it's the reason why Austin is more popular in times of economic prosperity and the Bronte, Jane Austen. yeah, and and the Bronte mm. stories are more popular during economic downturns. You said that as if that's a given that I should know. Yeah, and so I it's will like nod a along thing. and agree. It's, sure. it's it's like a thing. And so rom coms within the nineties, for example, in a period where we weren't at the two thousand and eight recession, mm. is something that I think makes a lot of sense. I also think that this is a time pre the death of the mid budget movie and so it makes complete sense for these kind of movies to be being released nowadays i feel like we're much more likely to have sort of cinema releases relegated to being big franchise stuff things where it's like okay if people are going to go to the the convenience of streaming means when people go to the cinema it might be like once every couple of months maybe and it's going to be for a franchise film that they want to see because everyone's seeing it kind of thing. Sure. So it's very unusual to have a rom-com or any kind of mid-budget movie, even comedies at the moment, really make it into that mainstream cinema kind of vibe. Rye Lane, for example, is a British rom-com which has just been released, which is getting Mm. rave reviews. But that is very much the exception to the rule at the moment. I agree with you that I feel like it feels like a genre that had all of its kind of iconic movies years ago. And I also think that this is frustrating for queer audiences because we sort of got it skipped over. In that era, there were very few queer leads of any movie. And so to also have them within these like happy movies where you saw queerness end happily, especially when like we didn't have legal equality of our relationships, would have yeah, been I quite think unusual. When this came out, we just had civil partnerships, yeah. which is pretending to be a marriage, but it's mm-hmm. not. Not quite. I feel like... W- as we were getting more acceptance of queer people was kind of coinciding, not a related correlation, not a causal Mm -hmm. correlation, just an unrelated one with the downturn of the rom-com, which I feel like is frustrating. I feel like a lot of people always ask for like, when we get asked for recommendations, queer rom-coms is like really high on the list and it is difficult to find one. And I feel like the more you have movies within the genre, the more complex they can be because the more they become self-referential, the more that they are improving on what has come before and so it's very interesting because i think that imagine me and you is feels reasonably unique almost there are some movies that get talked about as like kind of comedy movies or it's movies but there's often a lot of trauma even within these like queer comedy movies or queer supposed rom-coms that come out a lot of like reasonably dark stuff that doesn't necessarily feel like it fits with the straight equivalents and this feels like although there is tension reasonably fluffy inoffensive rom-com fair. It feels fluffy inoffensive. They have just they've put in kind of like the rom-com formula and put a a a women loving women story into it and it is not without its problematic points and I'm sure that we'll talk about that when we go through the plot but we like I, 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 I do agree with you that I think that this is a really special kind of like point in queer cinema because especially at the time I remember the kind of stuff that we were seeing was like either high camp stupidity, stuff like Not Another Gay Movie or Barbs or any of kind of like these silly kind of movies in the mid-noughties that had queer themes or quick, like explicitly queer main characters and storylines. Or you had like Oscar bait, serious stuff, 
oh my god the gay has died let's cry mm. like the the brokeback mountain yeah i was gonna say brokeback or, would have been around here or stuff like shelter and mm. things like that that even though shelter has like a a happy ending it is it's a drama it's not a rom-com yeah so, yeah 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 exactly there's no kind of like wit to it and i think that there's such a joy about like the british com- rom-com specifically because of that British wit that is brought to it. Mm. And we see it in this movie all the way through with characters like each and like even though he's a misogynist, Coop, Celia Imri's character who just has like cutting one-liners all the way through that we talk about. Yeah, this this may be a, a movie that not everybody has heard about, but I think it really is kind of like a special part of like queer cinema history mm. as being one of the queer retellings of like a real staple of what cinema was, especially in the late late 90s and early noughties. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that it's very much one thing I wanted to comment on that I think is fascinating is the comparison between the response that the queer media has to this movie versus mm. the response to it from mainstream media. So if you look at the way that this movie has been rated, it is abysmally low on all of the classic aggregators of like Rotten Tomatoes Which and like is all of those wrong. things. Which <laughs> is wrong. It's very much like that. And, and it's one of those examples of like, I don't know how much I can trust any of those in relation to movies oh. around quit. <laughs> the straights. Not even just because it's like, they'll always rate it low and it could be really, really good. But also the other way around, I'm like, well, maybe the movie is shit. And, I ju- and I'm like, well, but I can't trust you either way. Like, I don't know. But this consistently, this movie makes it onto top 100 queer movie lists. Absolutely top queer British movies. It's pretty iconic. Every sapphic person, basically every sapphic person I know knows you're a wanker number nine as a reference. Like it's, even if you've mm-hmm. not even watched the movie, you kind of have heard about this line referenced in the UK. You screamed it in you screamed it at a pride mm. at least once. And you know? so it's a very it feels like very iconic, which is why I wish I liked it. My jaw is on the I can floor. see. Yeah, I oh I truly my. hate myself for the fact that I didn't I I've never enjoyed this movie. I feel like a terrible person. Clap me in irons, take me away. I'm. If anyone would like to audition to be the co-host of the Queer Movie Podcast, because I'm about to be arrested, send your audition tapes. For two of us now, I'm the one that's watched Mm -hmm. the Ultimatum. I'm the one. This, yeah, I think this is one of my top five movies of all time. Shut up! Oh my, who who would have thought? We we sometimes agree on movies, we sometimes disagree, but who would have thought that this would have been where our chips fell? For this particular movie choice. Yeah, it's not some like arty a- Asian like art house mm-hmm. movie, which is like like that's my wheelhouse. Or like I I'm I'm really shocked and I cannot wait to talk about this movie Excellent. with you. Shall we talk about Let's this movie? Let's do it. So as we go through the plot of this movie, we like to bestow upon it our own three-act structure. Whether or not the movie actually does adhere to it or not, but, you know, it's a fun way for us to be able to break this up in a manageable way. So my act one, Rowan, actually, all of my acts for this movie are iconic quotes from the movie, and some of them have multiple quotes. Love that. So my act one is called Gay as a Tennis Player. Beautiful. I would also mm-hmm. argue that Act One could be our party in its aftermath. Yes. Yeah, 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 it is. Which, again, if this is your first time listening to this show, the it turns out every gay movie has an act which has a party and an aftermath. I don't mm-hmm. know whether... And every British rom-com has a wedding in right? its aftermath. So maybe and some of them have four seen, weddings the and a funeral. So it's, <laughs> it's so many of them. So I truly don't know whether all of the queer filmmakers got together and like made this arrangement, like what the situation was, if it's in their contracts, if it's a legal obligation to have the party in its aftermath. But it just is always there. And this one is quite literally a party. They have a wedding. Um, I mean, the whole movie is the aftermath of the the party. party. Yeah, exactly. So this is a classic wedding setup. We're watching the bride-to-be Rachel getting excited over the dress, like preparing, squealing, great. And then also Luce, who is the flower florist, the flower florist for the wedding. (laughs) 
I was like the flower woman, florist is that word, mm-hmm. getting kind of getting everything ready to deliver the flowers to the wedding itself. And we have, I think from the very start, the most classic British rom-com vibes. It's fast paced. It's a lot of one-liners. It's very mm-hmm. sort of like, you'll get a lot of strange, ex- not quite extras because they'll have like one or two lines that will pop up and do something quirky. Like the supporting character vibe, like the best friends mm-hmm. or like the aunt or the the mother that kind of add flavour to, to be completely honest, what are quite bland characters Absolutely. as well. I mean. Yeah, it's yeah. always and some like... Heck and Rachel are a really boring Absolutely. couple. And that is the beginning of their demise. They're incredibly <laughs> like... They're incredibly Boring. beautiful, but so, in- so, so dull. Like their Truly. idea of a fun morning is reading the crossword and talking about jam. And I'm like, sure, maybe in 20 years, mm-hmm. but not like two months after your wedding night. Anyway, I've started ranting. Let's continue with the actual plot. So we get to know Rachel's family. So we've got her father, Giles. Not his actual name, just he's Giles and Buffer the Vampire Slayer, Anthony Stewart Head. That's so, the only role I feel, I do kind of feel sorry for him, but he has played other you, things. Uther Pendragon. <laughs> Were you not a Merlin gay? Who are you? No, I really wasn't. Wow. Okay. Can't believe that you're a better person mm. than me. So well. he he played the mean guy in Merlin, and it's very funny whether people know him from Giles or Merlin, like within the fandom spaces. No one knows him have... from Merlin. No, no, I'm no. Telling you now. Here's the thing: Merlin is a huge fandom online, and it's very funny because depending on which one they've watched first, they have a totally different sort of like feeling towards not like him as a person, but him like as an uh-huh. actor. So if you go from one to the other, it's like, why is he nice in this? I don't trust him. And it's like, he's just Giles. It's fine. But in this, he's doing a classic straight person trapped in a marriage he doesn't want at the beginning, at least, going on about how he yeah. wishes he'd called it off and all this stuff. And you're like, foreboding. Great. As his daughter's on, mm-hmm. on the way to the church. We also get a classic precocious young child character, H, who takes a shine to, the, to loose our love interest. Which is very cute. Well, be- because Re- H, I love H. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to hang out wouldn't? with H. I want to be the person who takes H and her boyfriend to the museum. I adore her. She goes around asking, like, all of the weird questions. Two of my favourites. Here we go. One, why is the alphabet ordered like that? And H's mum goes, nobody knows that, dear. Don't be and then the other one, which introduces us and links us to links Luce and H together, is what happens when an immovable object meets an unstoppable force, an important seeds to be planted for later on in the movie, and Luce answers the question, talks about it being paradox. I didn't know that. Look at us. We're laughing. We're learning. Love that. It's also <laughs> a classic, not to get into narrative structure shit, Classic Save the Cat that, But energy. that would be so unlike you. I know, right? So un- Save the Cat being a screenwriting method, I guess. But the idea being that a lot of the times within the first few scenes, you'll have a character do something that is like particularly nice, like Save a Cat, where it's not like a massive thing and it's not like you can have a character who otherwise is an asshole do it. But it's the idea of like, okay, we're meant to like this person, even if they have bad qualities. Yeah. And so her, I was like, oh, she saved the cat, which was basically she was nice to the flower girl that everyone else was telling to basically stop asking questions. And very, very sweet. We also get introduced to Coop, Cooper, who is the classic womanizing best man character mm-hmm. who fully has his eye on Luce. You silly boy. She's a lesbian. You silly, silly boy. And can't you, can't tell? you tell? And then very quickly, we're down the aisle. This very much is starting with the wedding because, you know, Spoiler alert, it's not going to last. So they were like, let's get out of the way quick. We need to get that wedding going so that they can divorce. And we get Mm. our dramatic prolonged eye contact, prolonged eye contact between Luce and Rachel. It's hot. It's it's really legitimately quite sexy. It's slow-mo. She's walking down the aisle. Eyes lock. And then I feel a little bit of a tingle. I'm not going to lie. Am I basic? Yeah, probably. Okay, well, lesbian Jazza has a lot of feelings about the eye contact down the aisle. Hell yeah. I would say. Love at first sight, that's the theme of the movie. I think this is where it loses me. I think I'm just not a love at first sight person. I think that's the issue. I think we might have discussed this before. I feel like I've definitely had to, like, out myself as a miserly, like, 
person who hates romance. No, you hate you hate love. I, God, do I hate love? Hate hate is hate. That's my motto. <laughs> Let us all hate equally. This pride. Month. I know, right? So yeah, they they have their eye contact, and we're meant to be like, oh, the flash. Something has happened. Stunning. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. And then Luce immediately is like oh no and then just leaves the church she's like goodbye and like power walks off and i like the idea that this is like a superpower almost that she has and she's every single wedding that she does florist stuff for she accidentally makes eye contact with the bride who falls deeply in love with her and she's like fuck so she has to like run away but for this one she was like wait do i feel something back and so she loved the the punch looked really good. So she held, she hung around for the reception. Oh yeah, she does this classic bad wedding dancing with about eight guests in an empty gazebo. They re, they didn't have a lot of money for extras, I don't think. Classic British cinema, and yeah. they have their first actual conversation. So Rachel has dropped her new wedding ring because obviously they've not they've not chosen this ring together because it hasn't been shaped to her and finger. it doesn't it's fit. Oh metaphors. Mm. Oh my. I think God. their marriage is um, in the punch, as they say. Oh, it's a, a classic, well-known <laughs> idiom. <laughs> so Rachel has dropped her ring in the punch and is like going around trying to fish it out. Luce comes up and is like, "Yo, I did your flowers. Give us some punch. Yeah, your sexy so and so." And Rachel's like, "No, because it's in my rings in there." And then Luce dives in with her hand fishes around gets it out sticks it on her finger there's loads of like the chemistry is good no sure like there's like there's lots of like waist moving and like mm. oh hold on oh is it <laughs> like lots of lots of cute it's so cute yes i was just this is okay i'm gonna say this once because i think that this is gonna be the continuing issue that i not like an issue i have with the movie here's the thing i know that i'm wrong this is the issue I know that everyone loves this movie. Everyone thinks it's great. It's very iconic. I'm simply wrong. I'm not saying this is a bad movie. I'm saying I'm a bad person. But the... I'm just really happy that you're able to that. That that I've grown so far. I think it's just for me, I didn't necessarily... I feel like when you have a love at first sight element, you also need to follow it up with like genuine connection. And I think my issue is that they, they were being put in various situations by the plot where I didn't actually believe that they had anything in common, that they had stuff they liked talking about together, like that there was any kind of like genuine, and now we are falling in love with each other. Rowan, Rowan, I'm sorry, have you seen rom-coms? They never. Yes, it's always. But there's always oh, something. There's always. Let's go to the arcade. There's always some or, under. There's always some second level of storyline or vulnerability or thing that you need to get over which is in your past there yeah, is she's always, married yeah but that's not like a that's a plot thing that isn't an internal thing every issue that they were having was like this external problems and i was like there is this lack of level of like internal stuff going on that feels like i was that good wanted to be interested and it wasn't just like we've made up this idea that we're going to get these two together let's just have them randomly go to like a dance dance revolution place and then randomly yeah. go to the football and have them just be like you sh- you should put your hands on my stomach so I can shout louder. Like it felt very uh-huh. like contrived to yeah. me. That's I'm gonna say it then. I won't mention it again. This was just that's just a blanket statement that I feel like was probably my the reason I couldn't really get into this movie as much as I wanted to throughout. Well, you're anyway, wrong. so then the, the florist is just vibing at the wedding for some reason. I guess. Yeah. The well, the, the, like they do the wedding. Oh no, she's married now. Mm-hmm. Then what's his name? I keep forgetting our sweet, dumb him. Heck, who is very nice, annoyingly. Who is really lovely. This is the thing. This is another thing about this movie. I don't think there's a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do agree with that. And I do. This is another Um, thing I think as well that was already. I really, I just really am very. I feel like we've had too many cheating storylines within sapphic media. It gets very tedious to me. So I feel like already I was a bit like, okay, cool. That is the criticism that often comes up about this movie, but I'm okay with that being like the like that being the tension within plot because like it's not like Luce is framed Coop frames her like this, but I don't think Luce is framed as like an evil person mm. for doing it. Um, yeah, and and all of the like moves are made by Rachel in the yes. movie. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. 
also there's a great bit of like hey this feels like pointed where rachel's making a speech and she's like we were mates then lovers and i'm like madam there are children at this wedding no one wants to hear about what you're doing in bed he needs to hear you about hear about your mating yeah and then sometimes it's like look there's only so many times you can describe yourselves as friends before it's like maybe just be friends maybe go back maybe Mm. take a step back that friends to lovers thing maybe just go back to lovers then go back to friends stay there just be there Mm -hmm. which i guess is what she does in the end yeah so we end up after they've gotten married we're we're post-marriage now i think we're like weeks in and Luce, uh, not Luce, sorry, Rachel and Heck are going around painting a really unrealistic expectation of what middle-aged married life is like. They're going to auctions. Mm. They're living within walking distance of Hampstead Heath. Middle-aged, 30-year-old um, um, marriage. Are they our age? Well, they. I know, we know that Cooper's that 31. So Cooper's 31 because he says he's 29 and the guy says 31, you're 31, mate. And he's like, yeah, sure. So I'm assuming they're around the same age. I'm so... Oh, no. In my head, I'm still, like, a 20-year-old watching this movie. I think it's because we, like, know Lena now. She's, like... She has aged since this movie came out. She has, in fact... She's yes. a human being who has continued to live her life. But she, at that Scandalous. point... ...was younger. Okay, so what do we call this? Late... Late young age. Just normal, um, normal age to get married age. Normal age to get married age. And Rachel decides, hey, you know what? Let's invite that woman I had the sexy eye contact moment with to lunch and try and hook her up with my husband's misogynistic friend, Coop. So uh, she rocks up to the flower shop, invites Luce around, and then we have a terrible dinner cooked by poor Himbo Heck. I do feel very sad for him. And... Heck finds out that Luce is gay. Mm. Interesting. Mm. And Rachel just hasn't cottoned onto it. Keeps on trying to set up Luce and Cooper. But surprise, surprise, it's not going to happen, mate. Even though Coop does insist that he's very good in bed and that she should give it a go. Because that's how it works. Yeah, that is how it works. I think that anyone who has ever been a lesbian friends with a straight man recognises Cooper. (laughs) I don't, I truly, my entire university was made up of like any friends, any guy friends I had who were straight, our entire friendship was joking, them joking about sleeping with me slash being like, oh, I bet we could, I bet I could turn you one of these days. And you just kept being friends with the ones who were actually joking and you ditched the ones who weren't. But it's very, yeah, very, very straight guy energy. But I, in my head, I'm like, but that was straight guys when they were 18. So maybe Coop should grow up. But it's also, yeah. this is kind of such a quintessential vibe of British rom-coms in that technically prior to this dinner scene, we get so many random scenes, just like scenes mm. that la- that are so economical that last like 20 seconds where we just get like yeah. a little burst of someone's life. So we get a burst of the idea that like Luce is almost a flower whisperer. She knows a shit ton about flowers. Rachel comes uh, yeah. to say thank you for dinner. Then we're at this auction where they're going to buy a sofa and they buy a they sofa, buy a for, sofa 400 for 400 pounds. And it's like, wow. Which apparently is too much. That is a That's very, a very good amount. price for a sofa. Very yeah. good. But then also like it shows that Luce goes after what she wants, damn it. she's She can grasp, like, you know, if she wants something, she'll pay for it. Foreshadowing. We got Luce and her mum where Luce's mum's sort of like, looking for love divorce divorcee looking for love i love Lucy's mum the the this one line in this introduction scene where she compares having sex with old men like trying to play snooker with a rope chef's brilliant kiss. genius chef's love kiss. her and it's also great because Lucy's basically telling her mum to get a life and you're like pot kettle loose please so yeah we have it's very very british idea of like we're zinging around these scenes we're learning very very tight script writing in terms of like we're going to learn stuff about these characters in a very short amount of time and also show that some time has passed and when we have finished this sort of like not complete disaster of a dinner but not everyone sort of has their wires crossed as to who is attracted to who and what's going on luce and rachel have a bonding moment on the roof where they swap jumpers classic they're oh, looking I'm at cold. the rain oh give me the jumper oh my god cute see chemistry and then instead of rachel realizing what's going on she's like coop and Luce should 
should go home together. They should totally like get it on. Ha ha ha. And Coop uh-huh. and Luce sort of leave. Both, I think at this point, knowing nothing's going to happen between them. But we also get Coop's sort of like philosophy on love, which is their partner's not my problem. The hot ones are always taken. I'll sleep with anyone. Which might later on come back to really feel like a little bit of a hypocrite, Coop. But at this point, this is his philosophy in life. And Luce basically says, no, that's not how you should do it. You don't mess with other couples. Absolutely not. So we're getting at this point the idea of like, okay, so Luce is also knowing kind of what's going on. There is not oblivious to the sparks, but that morally she's decided, I don't, this isn't what I do. Not going to happen. Yeah. We then, so Heck tells Rachel that Luce is gay. Not just gay, she's tennis player gay because Martina Navratilova exists mm-hmm. and Billie Jean King. Those are those are the lesbians. But he also um, before that says my possibly my favourite line in this movie because it's just so funny, <laughs> which is that he, she's like talking about getting, like Luce is like, oh yeah, you know, oh, I think Cooper and Luce are getting together. And Heck goes, oh, you really don't know. You're so uncool. Like, yeah. It's like really like oh d- you you pro- it's so, so heteronormative obvious. Rachel wow I can't believe it and I'm like that is su- again such a like straight man well-meaning thing to say like joke around about but then double awkward they m- suddenly are accosted with loose in the supermarket that they're in. and they have a very awkward time navigating around each other. Luce is with her friend Edie who immediately spots the sparks between Luce and Rachel. Uh, who I think she has the best line in the movie where Heck asks Edie, are you gay? And Edie goes, am I gay? I'm ecstatic. That's I'm going to use that from now on. Stunning. 100%. It's now part of my villain. And so she also, this is like a movie full of like bad wingmen because Edie also tells them that Luce loves another when asked if mm-hmm. they're together. And it's like very unsubtle, but I love it. And so we we also get a lot of sort of mirroring, foreshadowing around other characters' relationships and what's going on with them and then what's happening with these couples, essentially as a way of setting up how these characters feel because we're in a movie, we don't get any inner monologue or anything like that. So it's like, yeah. okay, I'm going que- to talk about having an affair so that I can we can see the characters' face as the audience and be like, how do they feel about a potential affair? So Heck tells Rachel that Rob cheats on his girlfriend like a nutter, just all the time, like an absolute madman. And he's basically like, he should figure it out before someone gets hurt. And it's like, oh, I think that might be deep guilt on on Rachel's face Uh there. We also have the fact that they are still kind of connected by Rachel and Luce, kind of, I guess, bumping into each other at the supermarket, but also because H somehow has gotten the contact information of Luce and invited her to a school play. And totally normal. Totally normal. And we get, again, I, in my head, as I was making notes, I was like, I'm really interested in how they're portraying the inner thoughts and feelings of Rachel because, again, we don't get the inner monologue. But then it turns out we got a dream sequence kiss. So I was like, oh, that feels very unambiguous. Yeah. And so she very much... Not a real not kiss. A real kiss. Important it's a daydream kiss. No, but but it's like they both, they, uh, they both feel a little bit of a spark there Mm -hmm. as they're watching children talk about what space is we also have the fantastic is it a fantastic line who knows where h says that ursa major is latin american for big bear stunning i do really (laughs) i i laughed at that more than i probably should have I just wanted to jump in here to thank our sponsors this episode, the first one being, of course, you know them, you love them, Squarespace. They have sponsored a bunch of episodes of the show and we are so, so grateful for their support. If you somehow don't know who Squarespace is, honestly, where have you been? They are the all-in-one website platform for, I mean, basically anyone who needs a website. Are you someone who has a fun hobby and you want to share it with the world? Maybe you want people to know more facts about sharks. Maybe you want to create some kind of website that celebrates queer movies, which would be, I would say, a lot more relevant than sharks to this podcast. Well, you can do it with Squarespace. They make it 
so easy to create incredible, beautiful, stunning websites to engage with your audience, people who might want to find out about sharks and or queer movies. I am very much not a tech person or a design person. So I am obsessed with the fact that Squarespace has not just templates for you to use, but also something called Fluid Engine, which sounds very sci-fi, very future, which is a next generation website design system, which makes it so, so easy to make a website that doesn't look like absolute trash because you can customize quite literally every detail. You can use drag and drop so you don't have to learn, you know, coding which for some reason my my it classes in school thought i would need to be able to do to make a one-page website no this is the future you can use this for desktop or mobile sites and this is a system which is ready to use for any squarespace site that you want to build and maybe as well as just you know your typical website pages you want to do something something a bit different with it let's go with the queer movie example maybe you want to post a website which has a bunch of reviews of amazing queer movies that you've seen well squarespace also has blogging tools to help you. You can share reviews and text, but also photos, videos. Not only can you categorize the posts so that they're easy to find, you can also obviously share them and also schedule them so that you can make it, you know, work for you and your schedule. Or maybe you want to sell some shark related, you know, merch or products. Don't ask me where the shark example came from. I was watching Nimona the other day. I'm going to go, that's my excuse. Maybe you want to, you know, a t-shirt about how sharks actually are great and they have been falsely maligned by the vicious anti-shark agenda. You can do that. You can sell physical stuff, digital stuff, services on Squarespace. They have all of the tools that you need to start selling online. So if you're listening to this and going, yes, that sounds great. I would actually love that. Well, you can you can go straight to squarespace.com for a free trial. And then when you're ready to launch, you can go to squarespace.com forward slash queer movie to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. And we have a second sponsor for this episode, which are Nerdy Kepi, which is an incredible family-owned trans-operated clothing and home goods company from Portland, Oregon, that makes, like, amongst other things, wonderful pride gear that can be subtle and suitable for work on one end or loud and proud on the other. And we love it. They have items, most of them available up to 5XL. They have a huge variety of flags and kind of flag coded designs to make sure that everyone is included. And they say that if you have an idea for a pattern, a flag, something that you would love to see included, then you can message them. They absolutely love to make sure that the community is being served. Plus, as the name would suggest, they're very into nerdy stuff as well. Science, space, D&D jokes, very much got it all. And if you're part of a queer family, or honestly just a family who's very cool, they also have kids clothes, which is very exciting. And beyond the same boring basic t-shirts, everything from dresses to button-down shirts for everyone in your family. Also, a lot of them match the adult size products, which I think would be extremely cute for some wholesome family photos. And because everyone who works there falls somewhere on the LGBTQIA plus spectrum, it means that they are absolutely dedicated to answering the kinds of questions that queer customers specifically would have around the sizing, the fit, to, as they say, maximize euphoria and spinny dress happiness, which I think is absolutely amazing. And it means that the people who designed your clothes or answered your email probably shares an identity with you. So if you want to check them out, you can also use coupon code QueerMovie for 20% off your first purchase. You can find them at, and this is possibly the best URL of all time, ithaspockets.gay. That's right, you heard me correctly. It has pockets. Gay. Give them a look. If you've been enjoying this episode, then we think you might also enjoy some of the other podcasts from the Multitude Network that we are part of. So we just want to tell you about one such show right now, and that is Tell Me About It. Tell Me About It is a game show about proving that the things you like are actually interesting. Hosted by Adol Rafai from Hello from the Magic Tavern and Hey Riddle Riddle and our very own Eric Silver. Through a series of wild games and challenges, guests are scored based on the quality of their answers and also just just the whims of Adol, essentially. This has been described as like podcasting Taskmaster, which I'm sure a lot of people in our audience will immediately have their ears perking up at that or an in-depth conversation about something your friend is super into mixed with hunting humans for sport. Incredible. If that sounds up your alley, then give it a listen. New episodes are out every other Thursday. That is, 
tell me about it. And of course, we want to say a huge thank you to our patrons who support the show as well. And especially to the wonderful Jennifer and Toby right now who are on our highest level, our rainbow parent level, getting a special shout out. If you would like to check out the Patreon, then please do. We have a lot of very exciting perks for you, including queer movie watch alongs, top 10 lists and newsletters of very gay things that we have found on the internet. Just search the queer movie podcast at patreon.com to find us. Okay, back to the show. At this point, I guess I kind of get into Act 2. I don't know whether how Act 2 e I'm not quite. Okay. So for me, there's like, again, the the high volume of information in really short scenes. So we have, we see Rachel writing about a scientist who made a big breakthrough and, but then decides to make the whole article about falling in love really great idea there she rents a lesbian porno called george's bush incredible fantastic stunning and topical satirical for the time and we also have a bonfire night where heck tries to ask giles from buffy the vampire slayer about how to keep his daughter happy in bed bold move from heck Bold move. And I really enjoy that Giles turns around and goes, no, you don't talk to me about this kind of stuff. Because as soon as you mention it, because we can talk about like the weather and whatever and have like mm. a lovely little narrow about like sport or whatever. But as soon as you mention my daughter, all I can think of, that hound is putting it up my daughter. Stunning line. Again, Stunning beautiful. Love line. it. We um, also get some classic straight indoctrination of children. Yeah, this is the gay agenda. Luce explains to H that she's going to, if she does spend the rest of her life with somebody, it's going to be with a woman. And H goes, yeah, I get that. I've got a friend I want to spend the rest of my life with. It's not like we're lesbians or anything. It doesn't mean you don't worry. It doesn't mean you're a lesbian or anything. And then runs away. Exactly. And I've just put psychic damage as my note to that particular quote. But also I meant the straight indoctrination of the child getting a boyfriend because they also look at each other one time. Of course. And then they... So this is the, the straight agenda. Yeah, the straight agenda in there. Yeah. And also uh, love heck during this entire time. Truly just trying to figure out what the hell is happening. Because as far as he's concerned, he just got married. And then this woman like doesn't want to sleep with him anymore. It's being really awkward. Doesn't want to spend time with him. And he's like, are you pregnant? Do you want to be pregnant? Should we have a baby? Yeah. And it's like, sir, she's having a gay crisis. I'm going to say no to that. Actually, apologies. That's You are so close and yet so far. Yeah. And Coop then decides to be... Not Coop. Heck then decides to be accidental wingman strikes again and basically organizes yeah. a date day and a, and a date day right it's like a like they're together for a while and date yes. days again very sapphic yeah. so it's i mean he's very lucky that they didn't spend an entire weekend together so they they essentially <laughs> go to a um, football so, match so this this is this date day this is my act two yes okay and i'm either calling it i dare you to love me which is the meaning of lilies which are rachel's favorite mm. flower and i don't I haven't found actual evidence that that is true. From my understanding, lilies mean death mm. uh, or something along those lines. I dare you um, to but kill I guess that me. Have worked. I dare you to murder me. An alternative for Act Two is you're the one kind of You should have done that and then got like closer to the microphone so that it like echoed what they do in it, where it gets louder at the end. Well, no, I tried. I tried to not have peaky audio. I'm gonna do it. Hang on, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, you do. Okay. You're a wanker number nine. Like that. Uh Yeah, I get it. No, that was better than mine. Good job. Well, you know, I've been practicing. You can have your lesbian lesbian. card back. Thank you so much. But yeah, we so they go to this football match. Very, very excited is Rachel to be at this football match, but very ineffectual are her chants and insults because she's like, yeah, you go, get a goal. And Luce is like, oh, I cannot be seen with you like this. I'm going to teach you how to shout because apparently you can't. Age puts like her hands on her sternum. Did you know? You know that scene where she puts her hands on the sternum? That's yeah. scissoring. That's what that's what the lesbians are talking about. You've probably heard listeners of scissoring. That's exactly what it is. I mean, now, now it makes now sense. It all I was makes wondering sense. how anybody got off. But mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah this, and this movie was given an 18 rating because of it. 
Yeah, yeah. true 100%. facts. 100% explicit. That and George's Bush. Yes, that was the two. That's actually in the credits. If you stay to the end, they play the entirety of George's Bush at the end of this movie. <laughs> so they do the Yora Wanker number nine quote, which essentially is her just screaming abuse at the player in the, in the nine shirt. And then because the date can't be over because they're gay, they decide to go dancing on a Dance Dance Revolution mat. And they go to an arcade. It and, feels and like I'm in love plays in the background. With this and The Last of Us, I feel like arcades can be added to the list of things yes, that are Yes, specifically, now. yes, absolutely. Yeah. The colourful neon lights, stunning. Yeah, unintentional bisexual mm-hmm. lighting. Mm. That seems pretty queer to me. And then they have a classic little chat about flowers on the way home where it's revealed that lilies are I dare you to love me. That's meant to be the meaning. Just pretty lie. gay. And then they almost kiss. We get a, oh, this is me. I'm. We're back home. They almost kiss and then a car drives past and they chicken out. Yeah. So we have had the day date. We know that they are, they've got the chemistry hot for one another. And my God, Heck and Rachel's relationship is getting so boring. They're sitting in bed talking about fucking jam. And then in order to try and make stuff interesting again, (laughs) they decide decide to to talk about fucking jam. (laughs) <laughs> Fuck. No, they decide to go cottaging. Well, do they go cottaging? Because yeah. they're in the woods. So technically it wouldn't be cottaging. It would be something else. Wooding. Wooding, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. They, they they decide to appropriate gay sex. culture is what they decide to do. Yeah, which are also pretty, pretty fucking gay. They go cottaging on Hampstead Heath, which is as gay as you can be. And I forgot about this scene before I rewatched it. And they come across... They come across a gay couple who are hooking up behind a tree. Mm, and they're both called Michael. And I love it so much. And they just are like, oh, hello. Yes, very nice. Hello. And they shake hands. And they think and they think that like there's someone watching them in the woods or whatever. And these two poor guys come out and they're like, we're so sorry. We didn't want to disturb you. As if they've been going at it. And then they'd like frozen and been like, oh, my God, there are two straight people near us. And it's like, they come out and they're, they're more up scared of us than we are of them. We've just got to stay still and they won't know we're here. And then they had to be like, we're so sorry. We kind of hope that you would just get on with it. And like, we could just stay here and then we could like, you know, but clearly. No, hello, I'm Michael. I'm also Michael. It was it's very cute. I want to know Michael's story. And also Michael's. They met that when, very night. Where, where, where is the Michaels's spin? Where, where are the Michaels now? Where's the Michael the slash Michael fan fiction? That's what I want to know. They're one hundred percent getting invited to the Luce and Rachel. One, if not, they've got to track them down. That's the sequel: is them tracking down Michael and Michael to be like you. The passion that you had after only knowing each other for one night really inspired me to become a lesbian. And I, that I think that's a fantastic pitch for a sequel. 100 um, so rachel still can't stop thinking about loose and so then ends up going to the flower shop that loose owns which is where all of the major plot points seem to be mm-hmm. happening to be completely honest and they end up having a discussion in the back talking about the fact that oh no i can't do this it's it's over. Then they make out and sit on some thorns. And Luce has some some rose thorns in her bum. And then who walks in? But hell. No. Bad fucking timing. But he doesn't walk Terrible into the room timing. with the ribbons and the thorns in the bum. No, no, he no, walks no, no, into no. The He walks into the flower shop. The shop. <clears throat> yeah. Um. And so it's that tension. He's in the flower shop. And what is he doing in the flower shop? Could it get any worse? Yes, it could because he's buying flowers for Rachel. Because he thinks it's his fault that this is all going wrong. And he's like, I want to do something nice for her. He kind of is. He's, 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 he's not a He's woman. not loose. And, he's, not and loose. he's like completely obliviously saying to Luce, like, you know what she likes. You know what flowers she likes. And Luce is like, I know what she likes. It's me. <laughs> and so. Uh, it's this it's flower this right flower. here. Sorry. And Sorry. so Heck leaves. She, Luce is like, just take the flowers for free. Luce has very bad business practices because she's either running out on customers or giving them stuff away for free but you know what i love that for her and in i believe that she's a nepo flower baby i've just decided that's her backstory now a nepo flower baby baby. her Mm. grandfather started the chelsea flower show that's (laughs) that's the law and she comes back into the back room and rachel has fully just like wriggled out of the window and is like running down the street away runs after and they have a classic like we can't do this anymore in the park don't forget me. And she's like, I won't remember anything else. And you're like, this feels like 
if you have this strong of feelings for someone else, will you be having a fulfilling relationship with the person that you've settled for? Is the real question here. I mean, you really need to watch the ultimatum because it this, um, asks, this it, asks and answers all of those questions. This asks Rowan. and answers this question. Amazing. This asks and answers this question, <laughs> and I can tell you now, nobody ends up together. Oh. I believe you drop such a bombshell and then go straight back to just discussing the movie like nothing happened. Okay, so then we get the section that I called, I don't think it's even an act, but I was just dividing them into sections and it's called, oh heck. Get it? (laughs) It's very good. Mine is a quote from H saying, why is heck being sad? An alternative for this section is, will you fuck off with the fucking candles? (laughs) Or an alternative for this section is, what you're feeling now, Rachel is the unstoppable force, which means I have to be. <gasps> oh, heck. So <laughs> Luz tells her mom that there's this girl that she likes, but the girl is in love with someone else. And Rachel also confesses to Heck, but Heck is, she kind of like starts to confess, sees, turns around, realises that well, he's, he's asleep. Just qu- he's just quit his job. Yeah, he's yeah, gotten he's very drunk. Job. He come home, come home drunk. He has to do, he has to do a, a sale to a person and talk about cupping his balls. It's a very odd very scene. Very Wolf of Wall Street. Um, yeah, it's, But British, it's, so it's way less cool. Much. And he's, yeah. yeah, so he comes home super drunk and Rachel decides this is the point that she needs to tell him everything. She gets halfway through, turns around, realises that he's asleep. She's like, I can't do this. I can't say this more than once. I'm just going to tell you now. Continues saying like, I went crazy for someone and it wasn't you, but I wouldn't leave you. I was in love with you. I'll be in love with you again. I promise. All this stuff while he's asleep. Leaves, just what a guy wants to hear. Leaves immediately. It turns out he was awake the whole time. He was just faking it. So he absolutely now knows that Rachel loves someone, but doesn't know who it is. Doesn't know who it is. So we're at Rachel's birthday, which is where Will You Fuck Off With The Fucking Candles Mm -hmm. comes in. Rachel's been given a book about how to be a domestic goddess by her mother. And the mum goes, there's actually a really beautiful part of it about cooking with your children. (laughs) She's been going on about like making her grandkids. grandchildren so badly. And so Heck is like, you need to go and go love. Do the love thing. I can't give it to you. And Rachel's like, okay, bye. Calls, like, wants to go and like find Luce and gets into the flower shop. But Luce is gone. She's gone on a, we don't know where. She's planning on going on an extended trip. But so is off to the airport or something, I Mm -hmm. suppose. But they were like, the airport is passe. The airport is cliche. The airport is a stereotype. I will not have it. We're going to use cars. Forget the planes. Forget the big budget. We're using a traffic jam. (laughs) Yeah, but traffic jams, they're gay now. So there's the big dramatic uh, like drive through all of the things. All of the parents are in the car with Rachel. And then they end up getting caught in a traffic jam. Rachel finally decides to call her on her flip phone. To call loose on her flip phone. Why didn't she just do this at the fucking start? Nobody knows. And is like, oh, it's it's over because Rachel, because there was a misunderstanding on the phone and Rachel just goes, oh, it's over. It's never going to happen. And then she hears somebody singing quite badly, imagine me and you cycle past her that she'd just heard on the phone as the same cyclist cycled past loose. If that doesn't make sense, I can't help you. And so Rachel decides it's the combination of the movie. Oh my God, it's all building up. The tension, the tension. She goes and stands on the roof of a Land Rover in the middle of a traffic jam. And in order to try and get Lucy's attention, she goes, you're a wanker number nine. That was beautiful. That was a very good version. And then they see each other and then they run and they're together. And and then movie ends. They kiss the end. You really, you really like... (laughs) You were you were going so strong for almost all the movie, and then this last bit happened, and you were like, I don't know, and then they then they get the end. I yeah. mean, other, I guess like the only other thing to point out that happened is like classic. The reason why all of them are in the car is because she does actually tell her parents at that point all of the stuff. It like all comes out, and uh, they yeah. they accept her, and it's all great. And her well, not really. The mum goes, you know, there's plenty other fish in the sea, male mm-hmm. fish. But then the dad is like, shut the fuck up. Giles is like, absolutely not. They can have turkey based to children. It'll be fine. 10 yeah. out of 10. There's also another line that made me laugh so much that it was not meant to make me laugh. I th- maybe like giggle a little bit, but it was just the delivery of 
when I first met your mother back in the Trojan War. The delivery of it was so <laughs> funny because it was like so deadpan, like it wasn't meant to, it was just meant to be a fact. And she gives such a like hurt look at that where it's like, I get it, I'm old. But then he says something yeah. very sweet and romantic afterwards instead. So it's like, oh, I guess some straight couples are okay. So, well, this one is now because he says that he can take some pills to try and give her and sex life again and she can maybe try and be she kinder. wants, And that's what he wants. Yeah. And that is compromise. And that is straight love. I also, <laughs> there is also a scene that I think is wildly unhinged, which is between them all rushing off in the car. They just leave the little kid in this house with Heck. Oh my God, yeah. Heck goes up to the roof, which which has been mentioned before, that Heck thinks about jumping off roofs if he gets too close to the edge. And they just fully have him stand on the edge of this roof. And you're like, this is taking a dark turn. But then it's fine because H mm. comes up and is like, has a little chat with him. And gives gives him some sweets. And it's very, very cute. But there was a second where I was like, okay, Sherlock, about to jump off this fucking roof, you absolute madman. So yeah, it was like, we, we, we get a beautiful, perfect ending. And then we get the end credits, which give us a little like epilogue of these characters. So H... And everyone has a happy Everyone ending. does. So H and her little boyfriend are playing in a playground. Coop is holding a baby, which I guess is his. Very surprising he doesn't have more of them. Luce and Rachel are being cold in a park. And then Heck is on a plane, ready to write his travel book that he actually sounded like a really good idea for like a travel blog book situation. I was kind of into it. And he has a 24-hour flight that he's on. And he's next to Angel Colby, another person in Merlin. She plays Gwen and I love her so much and she's so cute. And they have such cute little like chemistry element where like she's just very awkward but then because she's in her chair she can't like walk away and she's in the window seat so she's just like awkwardly flirting and then you just see her look back to to just like stare like at the seat in front of her like what the fuck did you just say you're so stupid oh my god why Mm -hmm. are you trying to flirt with this man and then immediately just try again and i thought it was very cute and i'm also obsessed with the fact that the last shot of this movie is heck going full flea bag on us and like turning to the audience and like laughing about how much fun it's going to be to like fall in love with this girl on a flight for 24 hours stunning what flight is actually 24 hours i don't think they exist listen in the world of gay rom-coms anything is possible anything is possible. anything is possible. they're going to in the next 24 hours and that's and that's imagine me the and movie. you that is the movie mm. so at this point in the episode is when we give the movie our very special gay ratings it's out of six Unusual, strange, right? Well, what what has six things? <laughs> mm. uh, no, spiders have. Oh, eight come legs. on! Literally um, every other insect insects. has. Because it's just insects so close. Have six. Yeah, legs. so we're ranking out of how many legs does an ant have? No, we're ranking out of the stripes on a rainbow flag. <laughs> I give this film five ant legs. It's so small, so tiny. <laughs> so the colors of the rainbow flag. Not only do they have colors, the colors have meanings. So red for life. Orange for healing, yellow for sunlight, green for nature, blue for harmony, and purple for spirit. So what we like to do is give it how many stripes we would give it, and then also what colour stripes it would be. So Jazza, how many stripes and what colours? I, like I said, the, okay, maybe I was exaggerating saying that this is a top no, five. No, don't, 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 we'll get back times. now, Jazza. I think it's, I think it's, I think it is in my top mm-hmm. ten. That probably. sounds like a six-stripe movie. such... A joyous time. It is not <gasps> six bars. I'm going to give it five because okay. it definitely has spirit. Mm-hmm. It has the harmony because everybody has a happy ending. It has the nature because of the heath. It has the healing because everybody has a happy ending and it has life because no one dies. But it is set in the UK, so it doesn't have sunlight. So it doesn't have any sunlight. It's overcast all mm. of the time. And I think, and and the real reason why I'm not giving it six bars is just because there are some of the things of like, I think some some of the misogyny ages really badly. Like, it's meant to be, like, really, really funny. Heck has a friend character at work who is even worse than Coop mm, is. I think his name's Rob. Um, is, like, a really bad misogynist. And, that, and those bits of the movie take me out of it mm. a little bit. If we can cut out the straight men apart from mm-hmm. Heck and the dad, that would be great. Stunning. And also, I think we should have had more lesbian friend character input. Mm. 
Yes. Like I want to see the girls rolling as a crew. Mm. How about you? How many are you going to give it? One, because you hate mm. gay people. Yeah, I think this is getting... Let's go with three. I I, I know Jazza. Jazza... Here's the thing, gang. I tentatively had suggested to Jazza, hey, maybe at some point we should test whether like video recordings of like, because we record the co- podcast over Zoom. Because Jazza, mm. as you probably know, lives in New York now. Yeah. But Jazza mm-hmm. just turned up. Hi, it's Jazza. From in New a York. closet, topless. Actually, one of the, for this one of the gayest recording. things. So we won't be doing that. But it also means that you won't be able to see the face that Jazza just gave me at the point at which I said three stripes. The mo- just absolute disgust. Like I turned around and presented it's, it's my not, asshole directly to him. Truly, it's not. It's not disgust. It's. It's. It is disappointment. It's, it's, I'm not disgusted. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> It, I, it's oh. surprise and it's surprise and disappointment. To be honest, I thought that you were better mm. than this, but you're not, and I should just be at peace with that. I'm giving it red for life because they're alive. Also, the flower, flowers and cute shit. Nature again, flowers, the flowers, yeah. the the heath, and then harmony. I think you're right because they all do have a very happy ending at the end. Okay, well we can agree <laughs> to agree that I'm right. <laughs> Isn't that the podcast? Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy these episodes, we ask that you consider supporting us on Patreon. As a patron, you can join our queer movie club where we discuss movies and we do a watch along every month on Discord. But that is the bare minimum. At high levels, you can also get our movie recommendations and a monthly newsletter with curation of all the gay shit we find on the internet. And thank you once again to Jennifer and Toby for supporting us at the highest tier on Patreon. The Rainbow Parent tier six stripes for both of you six and legs six and for legs you. for both <laughs> make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast so you are notified of our next episode we have been just john and rowan ellis we were edited by rowan ellis and are part of multitude find out about their amazing stuff at multitude.productions thank you my darlings you will hear us very soon bye